Today on the Driving Improvement Podcast, my guest is Dean Evison, the current head coach of the Minnesota Wild in the National Hockey League and a veteran of over 800 games in the NHL with five teams. A native of Flin Flon, Manitoba, Evison is a member of the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame and represented his country in the 1997 World Championships, captaining Team Canada to the gold medal. His hard-nosed style of play and leadership qualities have translated to coaching success in the NHL and American Hockey League, having coached professionally since 2005. In this episode, we discuss what it takes to make it to the highest level in his profession, how consistency in your approach is critical to improvement, and what it's like to take a punch, get back up, and keep skating forward. All this and so much more on the Driving Improvement Podcast with Mark Russo, right now. Well, welcome in, everybody, to the Driving Improvement Podcast, and I'm super excited to have my friend, Dean Evison, head coach of the Minnesota Wild. Dino, how are you, buddy? I'm great, Mark. How are you, bud? I'm good, man. It's been uh, it's been a while. It's been good to catch up with you and uh, miss our days teeing it up and, you know, taking a few bucks off a, a few of those NHL guys, you know, just doing our thing yeah. out there, teaming up. NHL guys, head pros, we don't care. We yeah. would take anybody down, yeah. anybody down. Yeah. We, we don't discriminate, you know, no. for sure. No. So uh, how have you been, buddy, during this whole pandemic time? I mean, what's this current state of affairs with you, with the NHL having stopped on, you know, whatever it was, March 12th or 11th or 12th? What have you been up to in this uh, interim time? Well, it's been crazy, as I'm sure everybody uh, has felt the same thing. I mean, certainly early when uh, we weren't allowed to go outside or do anything, it was tough. I mean, trying to figure out, as you know, I I enjoy the fitness end of it. So uh, trying to figure out how to work out in your house, which everybody's been doing as far as riding bikes. And I actually set up a a hot yoga studio, bought a little heater and set it up in my one bathroom. And you just try to figure things out. Right. Um, But then as it got a little bit more along and opened a few things up. The The best thing going on was the golf courses opening up here in Minnesota and, yeah. and uh, Wisconsin, which is right across the line. So I was able to get out and golf uh, pretty much every day. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's made the, me, uh, sanity is a, a little better, um, but it's a crazy time in our world right now. That's for sure. Yeah. So uh, what's the state of your golf game these days? <laughs> um well i've played uh 30 30 sometimes already since uh since the season ended for us and um i'm basically out there every day i played 12 days in a row uh, which i never thought i'd be able to do i thought my back would be so busted up that i wouldn't be able to do it but uh i iced down it's like playing again it's like when i played in the nhl i mean i'd come home and i'd ice and get ready and go to sleep early and then get up and stretch and get ready to go for another golf game so um, it's pretty good. I have a lot of fun. As you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely addicted to the game of golf. So uh, I love it. So Dave, when, uh, you know, we've heard from the, the league about, you know, the, the season resuming and, and all the different, um, you know, options and playoff scenarios, they're trying to get the season finished up. You know, it had to stop at around the 70 game mark, roughly. What's your thought on this whole new 24 team deal? Because, you know, under the old format, your your team, as well as they played under your uh, your reign when you took over, uh, was just shy of the playoffs. And now you're going to be in the dance. Yeah, we were one point out. And obviously that was our, our first step. Uh, your ultimate goal obviously has to be winning the Stanley Cup, I believe, every year. Uh, but when we took over, I mean, we had a good run. 
Um, we were one point out of a of an opportunity. We think our group was playing extremely well, um, so we were really excited. And then, so then there was that transition period where you're like the league's talking about, well, maybe you know the teams that uh, you know uh, that weren't in the playoffs as far as the numbers uh, weren't going to get in, and then they were going to go by uh, different scenarios. And we didn't think we were going to be in. And then when they announced this and voted on it by the players and the league. Uh, that we were able to get in, I think it's a wonderful format. I think it's a perfect format for the top four teams to play round robin and then seed themselves one to four. The other eight teams can play off. It's a great scenario for us as the Minnesota Wild. We get to play the Vancouver Canucks, who are one point uh, in front of us uh, when when this thing all went down. So we have a real good opportunity. Uh, we're in the playoffs essentially right away. I mean, obviously, we all got to play that best of five to to get into the top eight, but uh, but we were excited to, and or excited and optimistic that uh, that it gets going. Yeah, man, and and so we mentioned earlier uh, about you know playing in the NHL, and I wanted to start with that a little bit as well. And you know, talk about the early days. You know, you got drafted um, in '82 by the Caps. Um, you know, you coached there and my team, of course. And was it always your goal to play in the NHL, you know, and at what point did you say, hey, you know, I think I got a shot at this? You know, it's funny. I've got a buddy who actually worked for Vancouver Canucks now. I think it's 14 years old when I really thought, okay, you know what, I, I may have an opportunity. I'm getting uh, looks by different junior teams and college teams of have uh, inquired a little bit and I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe there is an opportunity. I told my buddy, who's my, my best friend to this day, I said, you know what, I, I think I'm going to play in the NHL. And he's like, are you nuts? Like, you know, from small town Manitoba, like uh, chances of you playing. And, and, you know, I just, I had the goal and I had that the dream of playing obviously in the NHL, like, like so many other, you know, young people uh, want to play professional sports, but um, yeah, and it just, it was something that I truly wanted to do. I strive for it. I worked for it. I was fortunate along the way to have such tremendous, uh, you know, coaching and teammates and been on some teams that has allowed me to have some success and, and ultimately to play in the NHL. And I, it, people ask me what, what the greatest thing about, uh, you know, playing or your, your greatest moment in the NHL and, and what have you in your hockey career. And ultimately it was playing that first game to play in the national hockey league. Um, was absolutely amazing, and uh, I wouldn't trade any of it for any. What do you remember about playing that first game? Um, well, I got called up. Uh, I got called up to the island um, and played there from junior, uh, and I had to spend a night in Manhattan. And then the team, I met the team, and then went on to the island. And what I remember is uh, playing the game. And uh, Trotje, we were playing against the New York Islanders, who were phenomenal at the time. Took a face off my D zone. Trotje put it between my legs, um, went forward, passed it over to Bossy, slam dunk uh, in the net. And <laughs> I was supposed to be a face off guy. And uh, this young kid, I went back to the bench, and my head was obviously, you know, between my legs and just devastated. I didn't think I'd get another shift. And uh, Brian Murray was our coach at the time. And the next face-off, the next D-zone face-off against Trache, he put me on the ice um, to take the face-off. And that's all, that's all I remember. I don't remember if we won the game, we lost the game. I just remember him giving me that opportunity. Um, and it stuck with me for a long time, not only as a player, but it's really stuck with me as a coach that you give somebody another opportunity. I was not losing that next face-off uh, against him. 
um, you know, I dug in as hard as I possibly could dig in. So, um, but it was quite an atmosphere, quite an experience, uh, and one that I obviously remember for the rest of my life. Yeah, and so you made you made it to the the world's best league and stayed there for the better part of you know twelve years, Dino. And and I guess the the main question I would certainly ask too is, you know, what kind of commitment does it take? Because you know we talk to students and and everybody's at at a different level, and they're aspiring to get to a next level that's relative to where they are. But commitment, people who are committed and say they want to get better, some people say they want to get better, and the ones who actually want to do the work to get there, they're usually two different things. So what kind of commitment does it take to play at the world's best hockey level? I, I think what you said, Mark, is, is you, you have to be committed. Like, you have to be committed to do the work. And that that meant um, when I'd go home in the summer uh, with my buddies, and they'd all be going out on a Friday night, and I'm a young 17, 18, 19 year old kid. And you're all, they're all going out partying instead of going out partying, I'm going to the gym and you know, you, you have to be committed. You have to set your priorities and, and you have to set your goals and you have to get after it. And, and that doesn't just mean um, you're working and you're working out. And, and as a golfer, it doesn't mean just, just, you know, practicing and practicing, practicing. You have to be committed in all different areas, your nutrition, um, especially for sports today, um, mentally uh, working on your game, you know, trying to figure out how to be positive, how to how to let things go when good things happen, let things go when bad things happen, stuff like that. And, um, you know, so there was a commitment level. I, I believe that I had that was uh, I I was never the best player. I was never the biggest, the strongest, the fastest, um, the best shot, the best score, all that kind of stuff. But I did know that there's one thing that I could do as well as Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux or, or Mark Messier, who I played against uh, in the day, I could work as hard as they could work. And that's what I set myself to do. And it set me up and fortunately gave me an opportunity to have a career um, playing in, in the National Hockey League. And you talk about working at it, Dino, and, and trying to get better and, and working hard. A lot of folks, when we talk about getting better and, and, and improving, they view it as this straight line that goes upward. And mm -hmm. I, I definitely know that it's not that. It may be an upward trajectory, but there's peaks and valleys. You know, what was that like? Were, you, were there times where you maybe had a, um, a setback or a failure that made it, uh, you know, learned from or it got harder along the way, but it couldn't have been easy. You know, it was just like work, work, work. You probably had some bumps along the way, I would imagine. Absolutely. I mean, I got drafted by Washington, um, thought, okay, like I said, I got called up from junior. I, I played a couple of games uh, that year that I was playing junior. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll make it the next year for sure. Not a chance. I, I went straight down to Binghamton, um, played there, uh, played, I got called up eight times to the Washington Capitals my first year. Then I got traded at the trade deadline to the, to the, the Hartford Whalers. I, I'm like, okay, great. I got traded to Hartford Whalers. Now I'm going to go play for the Hartford Whalers. They're like, no, no. You're going back to Binghamton, who affiliates shared with with Hartford. Now you go back to Binghamton and you play again, and then played the entire season there in the American Hockey League. The next year, I go, okay, now I'm going to make it. Didn't make it again. Got sent back down to Binghamton. Played another half a year there. Didn't get called up to December. But each and every time that you get called up, um, and or you you get, you know, uh, it looks like you get knocked down. You use that as as motivation. You use that as, as that adversity to. Uh, um, to fuel the fire to get back there. And you try to remember, or at least I did, I tried to remember what I didn't do to allow me to stay there. And 
I had to go down, which was great. I think it's it's awesome that you have adversity to learn from. It's great to have positive reinforcements too, but you learn from your adversity getting sent down. Now you realize, okay, I've got to do something a little better than I did the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. Um, and then you just keep working at it and grinding at it until you get that opportunity. And you need some breaks. I mean, you need some, you need some opportunities. You need some things to fall into place. And uh, there's a lot of when, when people have success, especially in the sporting world, there's a lot of people that uh, contribute to that as far as your family and commitment and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, a lot of things have to fall into place with that as well. And I talk to uh, students a lot about, you know, we go from practice and learning to getting out there and actually playing the game and how, and, and obviously you play a lot of golf and you, your game's gotten a lot better um, even since you were carrying me around the golf course for a while there, uh, you know, but about my students being able to adapt on the golf course and play with what they have that day and move the ball around. It doesn't have to be perfect. And, you know, you scored, I, I you know, I, I did my research and I, you know, I know you scored a bunch of goals in junior, you know, you scored 71 goals in 70 games one year. I looked it up and, you know, I'm curious, did you have to change and adapt your game when you made it to the NHL? I never wanted to forget, um, you know, that that obviously scoring goals is what we want to do in the National Hockey League or hockey in general. I mean, that's what that's why you play the game. You play that and, and, and obviously the wins. But I knew I had to do something a little bit different and uh, had to create um, a, a kind of niche for myself. And, and I did that as far as playing hard defensively. I had to play a little grittier game, um, had to fight every now and then, had to uh, play against the top team or the top guys. Um, kind of shut them down, as you mentioned, face off, penalty kill. Um, so you do whatever you have to do to survive. And I think today and just watching some players uh, through my coaching career, some guys aren't committed to do that. Some guys are like, no, I'm a scorer. If I don't score, I don't want to play here. And if you, if that happens, you're not going to play at the highest level. But if you realize it and you commit, as we talked about earlier, to doing um, maybe something that you're uncomfortable with, uh, maybe something that uh, doesn't feel right to you, but yet, um, you know, you continually work at it and grind at it um, and you try to survive. And um, I, I use a lot of the stuff that I learned throughout my professional hockey career on the golf course as well. I mean, there's some days where your putting is just not there. So, the, and honestly, the other day I had the exact same, I was getting just smashed on the front nine by this guy. But I was hitting the ball so well, so but I couldn't make a putt. Couldn't make a putt. So I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to continue hitting the ball as good as I can hit it, get it in the fairway, get it on the green. Don't worry about making the putt, just two putt. Every, just get your speed correct, get it in the hole. I ended up making three birdies on the back nine, ended up beating him on, in the overall match. And so you, you you liken things to that. You Sometimes you don't have everything in in your bag and sometimes you got to like you just said work it around a little bit you have to find a different way to to get it in the hole and um and i think that goes to a lot of your your mental strength as well as how to how to let some stuff go you hit a bad shot and you can just forget about it and go on and hit the other shot in hockey a guy comes off the ice and he's made a mistake it's so easy to get down on yourself and just you know hang your head as i mentioned with uh, playing my first game in washington if i Allowed that to happen um, throughout my career, I wouldn't have had a career. And uh, a lot of times I try to talk to our guys about that too. If good or bad, you score a goal, that's great. Let it go, go play the next shift. 
you come off, you make a mistake, you, you had a turnover. All right, so be it. Learn from it. Go out that next shift and learn from it and change it and do something. All right, to get better. That's perfect. The mental approach super important. Uh, so, Dean, you, you play, you finish up your career playing um, in the Swiss League and the German League, and then uh, you know you then transition into coaching. Why was that? You know, how did that happen? And you know, why was that such a good fit for you? Because you've been doing that for a while now. Yeah, there was a. A coach, Andy Murray, was in the NHL for uh, for for years. Um, he was coaching the the national team, the Canadian national team, and he asked me if I wanted to be a player assistant coach. <laughs> Excuse me, and I never even thought about coaching when you're playing. I mean, you're just grinding away and you're just trying to to stay in the league and and uh, and and stay playing the game. But um, it was the first opportunity that I had that that really gave me a thought process that I'd like to coach. I was able to. Uh, to be in the meetings, be in the practice planning, be in the video sessions as far as with the players. So I, I really got a feel. And and when your your career is kind of winding down, you're, you're thinking, okay, well, what am I going to do afterwards? And for me, the closest thing to playing the game was standing behind the bench, being on the ice in practice. You can still get that, that feel, that ups and downs, the highs and lows um, with the wins and losses. And um, so um, it really – uh, got my juices flowing uh, as far as able to uh, to make uh, another career transition into another career. Unfortunately, I had good people like him to give me that opportunity. Did you uh, did you have that as in, as you were playing? Did you ever have a plan B in mind when your time from the league ended, or was it just sort of I'm gonna I'm gonna work as hard as I can to stay here as long as I can, and then we'll see what happens? Or was it ever a thought prior to you having you know to to put the put the blades away? No, my uh, my mom, um, who you've met, um, she's she's just she taught me right away, and I know it's a cliche and what have you, but it, one day at a time, and that's all I've tried to do. It's just one day at a time. Tomorrow, and I still do it today as a coaching as a coach. Is that people talk? Well, what are you going to do about next week or what? I have no idea what's going to happen next week. I'm preparing for today, and that's it. So when I was playing, it was just get ready to play the game tomorrow. And I do that as a coach now. I get ready to play that next team or for practice, and I get ready for that practice the next day. And that's as far, honestly, as I look ahead. Um, and I think uh, that's allowed me to, to not get too far ahead of myself. I can't live in the past either, good or bad. So I like to let it go and just look forward one day at a time. How would you describe your style of coaching, Dean? Um, I, I would say intense, um, but, um, honest, communicate and accountable, um, is I just, I try to, I try to be intense. I try to, I try to be excited, um, because I think the guys need that. Um, but you, you have to be, um, very honest with them. You have to be very upfront. You have to communicate with them. And I believe, I don't care what level you're at, you have to make, players and teams accountable and i think the players want that um uh, they strive for that they 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 ask for that um sometimes they don't like it um, which comes to the honesty part um but i, I think if you communicate with them i think uh, you know you're going to give yourself a good opportunity hopefully to you know set them up because that's ultimately our goal is setting those guys up to play on the ice and and hopefully have success as a group yeah, and you mentioned communication is a key. And it's certainly a, a big part of what I do, and 
you know, I think the interesting challenge in coaching is uh, saying one thing for one player and saying something totally different, maybe for somebody else and also phrasing it differently. Just the, the uh, having the ability to adapt to the person in front of you to get the most out of them. Uh, tell me about a little, you know, dealing with, with the highest level and these guys and trying to, you know, maximize their potential to get a win every night. It is such a good point you just made is that you can't, like, I can't do this. Like there's two, I can't go to Zach Parise, who's uh, been in the league for whatever, 20 some years or however he's been along. Mm-hmm. I can't go to him and talk to him the same way as I go to, a young player that we have on our, our team right now, Jordan Greenway. I have to I have to give the same message to them, but it may be communicated differently. Um, and I think that's what coaching is. That's what teaching is. Um, is uh, is is trying to get a feel for what that person needs. Some guys need a kick in the butt, and some guys need a pat on the back. And some guys I got to be super hard on. And then there's some guys that I can, I just got to, they're, they're so hard on themselves that you have to, you have to be a little bit more gentle in your approach to it. So I think coaching today, teaching today, uh, instructing as, as you do, you have to, um, and I'm, I'm, I know you do a wonderful job, but you have to, you have to adapt to the individual that you're, that you're coaching or you're teaching on that given day. And then um, with our sport, you obviously have to bring them all together and try to bring that all together and be a team within that individual approach. So um, I think, uh, you know, that's a huge part, the communication part. Who was a, who was a, a influential coach or most influential coach uh, for you? And, and, you know, do you use any of, uh, you know, the things you learned from, from that coach, you know, in your coaching now? I think you learn something from everyone. Every single coach, I think you have to take something. And as a coach, as assistant coach, I've been able to take something from every coach. Bruce Boudreaux, I've been able to take something from him um, that I've coached under. Um, but the three guys that I've um, I've talked about uh, throughout my coaching career is that when I played, it was there was a guy named Bill LaForge that was in junior. I wouldn't have played in the NHL if I didn't have uh, this coach. And you could look him up. There's a whole bunch of stories how hard he was and how intense he was and how crazy he was with some of the tactics that he did <coughs> to us to motivate us, which you could back in the day. But I, I don't think I would have played without his his pushing um, and his intensity level. Um, and then the other one is is um, is Bob Gainey, who I had for two years in Dallas, just a Hall of Fame guy, straight up guy, just was brutally honest to you would it didn't matter if it was good bad negative whatever he said it to your face and there was nothing behind your back it was face to face if he wanted to call you out he'd call you out within the team but he'd also call you out he'd tell you beforehand but it would you knew that he'd do the same uh in front of the guys or behind the guys they never behind the guys but it would always be in front or or right up front so very honest and then the last one, as I said, was Andy Murray, who uh, um, his tactical coaching style, his structure, his practice planning, his systems, um, his preparation, his pre-scout was over the top. So I think you take a little bit of everything, um, and then not only coaches, but players too. Like there's so many hockey players that I played with um, that were great leaders. You know, Ronnie Francis in in, in Hartford that I, I learned so much from that's now – 
uh, gone on to obviously as the general manager with the, with the Seattle club. Um, you take a little bit from everything. And I think if you can learn from everyone and, and then formulate your own philosophy, your only coach, your, your own coaching style, I think, uh, you know, that'll serve you well. Just to, and just talking a little bit too about leadership, Dean, you know, and, and coaching, you know, one of the, um, one of the great, uh, you know, honors and, and, and hockey and as growing up as a hockey player first before a golfer, you know, I love the game and is being able to wear the C as the captain. And you had the honor of wearing the C for team Canada in 97 when you won the world championship gold. And there's, there's, it's not a coaching position, but there's a leadership and it's sort of a minor coaching part to wearing the C. Uh, and I'm just curious, you know, also about that experience and, and leading a group of guys when you're representing your country. Yeah. It, it to put your, uh, your flag on your chest, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Like it, I've had a couple opportunities. I played world junior. I played internationally uh, with tank team Canada. And then um, to win that gold medal was phenomenal. Uh, it was uh, and, and like you said, to be the captain, but I think uh, leadership, you have to, you, you can talk to your blue in the face about leading and you can stand up on your soapbox and say, you got to do this and say, you got to do that, but you have to show it. Um, you have to show um, how you're going to lead. And for a coach, um, you have to show that every day that you go into the room for your group. And, and what I try to do as a, as a head coach is show the guys that our coaching staff is a team. And so when we go in, it's just not me talking every time. It's not me showing video every time. It's, it's one of the assistant coach. He's part of the team. He's going to show it after the game. A lot of coaches will go in after the game. The cameras are all on you and give your rah-rah speech, and, and that's great. I, I would rather have everyone do that. The video guy come in, um, the, the goalie coach come in. You have to show that team um, off the ice and show that you are a team um, as much as you want your group to be a team. And then when you do talk about team to your group, then it, it sinks in. They go, oh, well, well yeah, they're, they're, they're being a team off the ice. They're a coaching team. Um, so – um, you know, you're kind of, uh, you know, uh, practicing what you preach. At the top level, you know, you've been around the NHL now for a long time. And I noticed this, and it was always something that caught my attention back when, you know, when you and I first got to know each other when I was at, at, at Woodmore, we had a nationwide tour, now the Corn Ferry Tour event. And I would stand there and watch these guys who are one step below uh you know, the PGA tour. And I thought, I don't know how some of these guys aren't up there and you've been at the different levels. You were head coach in the American league, which is, you know, triple a, so to speak, um, to the NHL. What's the difference between an NHL player and the top player in the American league? Like it, to me, it seems sometimes in all sports, so razor thin, what's the difference for the, some of these guys who just can't maybe get over the hurdle to make it up to the next level. I, I honestly believe it's mental. Because all these guys are so good. Um, like you said, like I, I was out there um, for so many years watching with you and watching you on the first tee announcing them. Um, but And watching them hit the ball. They, they hit the ball all the same. Every one of them hits the ball the exact same. Like, I mean, there's a couple of cuts and there's a couple of draws, but literally the ball flight looks the same every time and the swing looks the same. So 
I think mentally is what sets them apart. And I think that mental toughness, um, you know, there's putting and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think the ability to um, let things go, the ability to, uh, to give yourself a kick when you have to, give yourself um, a, a pat when you have to, I think mentally is, is a, a key factor. We see it so many times. I coached in the American Hockey League for seven years with the Milwaukee Admirals in the National Predators organization. And you are absolutely right. The, the, the skill level, the, the players are, are close. And a lot of times the guys in the American Hockey League, their skill level is way better than the guy in the NHL. He just hasn't quite figured it out mentally yet, how to, how to play the game, how to put it all together, um, the package um, the, the, the complete package, you have the skill set to play, but now you have to have the, uh, the mental capacity, the maturity level um, to play at the highest level. Now you're, now that you're in coaching, I mean, and I've talked, we've talked a little bit about, you know, failure and I talk about this with virtually everybody I've been talking to in this platform, Dino, because I think it's super important for students to understand that failure is not necessarily a bad thing. And I'm curious, uh, um, in your perspective, you know, how do you deal with favor obviously, or failure? You know, you're, you're in a little more hazardous uh, profession now in the coaching area. Um, but, you know, how do you deal with failure? You know, you guys lose a game. Uh, you know, how do you deal with that? And how do you get your players to deal with it and move on? Well, we fail, we get fired. You know that, like, <laughs> well, I know. yeah, that's what I said. It's hazardous in NHL. It is. The good thing is, you might show up next week on another team. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think that's, I think that's your mental uh, capacity is to let things go. I mean, uh, like you said, to to fail is is not a bad thing um, as long as you use it uh, in the right uh, in the right direction. And you're not going to win every single. I actually read uh, and just finishing up Joe Torrey's book. Um, and everybody talks about Joe Torrey being this phenomenal World Series coach. He's he's lost more baseball games than he's won. And he's had more losing seasons than he's won. And But he's still considered this amazing coach. So you, you, you have to continually grind and you have to continually learn from from your your adverse situations, your your failures. And um, it's so easy in golf to, uh, to, to get so down, you hit a, a bad shot and it's like, there's no way, like, I'm just going to continue doing that. And you, you have to let it go and you have to, um, you know, learn from it, obviously to not do it again. But, um, but you, you, you know, which comes into play with having a great, a great teacher like yourself that can, that can, you know, sort that out. But, um, inside of you, you have to figure it out mentally and, and allow yourself to, uh, um, to let things go good and bad. When we talk about it being successful, Dean, it, you know, sometimes folks who are successful are, are generally um, willing to take risks. And I'm curious as well in your scenario, having taken over the wild, you know, in, in a you know 12 or 13 game stretch you had before the season got put on hold, you know, are you, are you looking to, to get in there and just shake it up and take some risks because why not, you know, or, you know, are you somewhat risk averse and you're going to say, we're going to play a conservative style. It's interesting to me to see, you know, how people choose to deal with risk, whether they're risk averse or not. 
I think you know my personality. I, I, I'm, I'm diving right in. I, I mean, it's yeah. just, yeah, you have to. Um, and I've been around long enough as a player and a coach to understand that, you know, as we just talked about, if we don't have success, you're going to get fired anyway. So what? do it your way. I mean, do it your way. I mean, obviously you have to have input from everybody and you have to have input from your general manager, from your assistant general manager, from, from all your coaches. And then, but you ultimately have to make the call. Um, but no, I mean, I'm, I, I'm full in. Um, I just, you know, do exactly what uh, I've been uh, taught to do. I've learned to do. Um, and if it's good enough, it's good enough. If it's not, it's not. Um, I've taken some risks when I was actually in Washington. Um, I decided it had nothing to do with um, anything that was going on with our team in, in Washington. But the year that I, that I left, actually Bruce got let go and Dale Hunter came in. I had went to George McPhee in the summer and I said, I asked him, I said, George, I said, I, I, I feel that if I don't get an opportunity in the NHL now, my path has to be to go back and, and, and coach in, in the American Hockey League so that I can coach men. I had coached junior for seven years prior to coming to Washington, worked in Washington for eight years. And I took a risk saying, listen, I'm not going to sign a contract. I, I need to find an opportunity in the American Hockey League. Went back to the American Hockey League learn the trait, coach the men, um, learn from all my situations there for seven years, then get the opportunity here, still grinding it out as an assistant coach for a couple of years. And now I've got an opportunity. There's a break there. The doors open a little bit. If it opens more, then I'm going to try to get through it as fast as I can and quickly as I can and, and rightfully as I can. And hopefully it works out. But yeah, yeah I think you got to dive in and do what you do um, and, and live with the, the consequences after and all this time, and maybe this is, maybe we should ask this question question more on the coaching side, but maybe as a player too, Dean. But was there a lesson along the way, either from a person or, or a coach or a teammate that you learned that had a a, a big impact on you? Um, maybe that sticks out in your mind that helped you continue your career or get you into coaching. Anything that sort of sticks out uh, that you you had along the way in this in this ride you've been on. I don't think, Mark, that there's one specific thing that I can think back on and go, you know what, <clears throat> that really allowed me to, um, you know, to, to go forward in, in either playing and or coaching. I just think it's it's those little things. I think it's the, uh, the, the, the times that you continually learn from every single situation and not take it as a negative. It's so easy um, not only in sport, but in our world, just to get just to get negative and get uh, down and get, uh, you know, uh, just instead of turning it into a positive and trying to learn from from those uh, situations. So um, that's I, I don't think there's one. Um, I've had several different opportunities as a player and as a coach to, uh, you know, to uh, to learn from uh, positive and negatively and hopefully, you know, and, and I don't think you ever stop. Like you don't ever stop learning. That's I think that's the other thing is that um, is just don't be so narrow minded either. Like once like I'm a head coach now and I've, I've got my coaching philosophy, but that doesn't mean it can not change tomorrow. Um, you know, you can learn something uh, and, and, and tweak something um, and, and grow from that. So um, constantly trying to uh, to learn and grow uh, from every experience. What is it that you love about coaching, Dean? 
that that intensity level, um, that feeling of getting in there, getting behind the bench. Um, uh, I, I I love the practices. I love um, talking to the players. I think their interaction with the guys, um, the one on one. I was asked the other day if did did I change or do you change your coaching style or philosophy or or how you handle people from an assistant coach to a head coach? And if you asked me you know, 20, 30 years ago, I'd say absolutely. A, a head coach should distance himself. The assistant coach should um, get in there and talk to the player and, and get to know him and then bring it to the head coach. I think that's completely wrong now. I, I think there, you, why would you change? Why would I change having a relationship with our young player, um, Jordan Greenway, when a month before I was, I was on the ice stretching with him and talking to him and and getting to know him and, and personally, why would I change that now that I'm a head coach? So um, I've tried to stay the same. I've tried to uh, treat everybody um, the same way. Uh, you, you obviously, you coach differently and you, you do um, challenge people and, and what have you that we talked about earlier, but, but you, you, you treat everybody the same and you treat them how you want to be treated. And hopefully that allows uh, not only you, but your, your hockey club to have success. Oh, that's fantastic, man. That's that's that hits it right on the uh, right the right on the nail for sure. All right, so before before we wrap this thing up, though, I, being the the hockey player before a golfer that I am, we got to ask you a couple of questions. Who was the best player you played against? I thought you were going to ask me for a pair of pants or something. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not asking for you gave me a couple you've given me a couple of sticks along the way which i could never shoot with because they're like 110 flex yeah. but i always appreciated it <laughs> i i, I, sh- I should have got the kids ones or the, or the ladies ones no no it's all right better, but um no uh the best player is wayne gretzky for sure um he was just an absolute phenomenal talent and uh you had to catch yourself on the bench uh sometimes going um you know if i wasn't out there against them just in awe um, of, of the way that he played the game and he conducted himself. And since then, I've read a bunch of books and a bunch of things about him and had an opportunity to meet him, and uh, he's a phenomenal person as well. Uh, how about the best skater you played with or against? Best skater? Mike Medano. Um, played with him in Dallas. Uh, he's actually part of our organization now. Um, to watch him, you know, hey, if you ever uh, you see clips of him and what have you, you see his jersey flapping in the wind like that. It's true. That's what it was in practice. Like he'd be doing a simple horseshoe drill where he's just skating around and collecting, getting a pass, going in and shooting it. And we'd just be watching him. It's just like he was absolutely flying. The other guy was Mike Gardner uh, with the yeah. with the caps that I had an opportunity to uh, uh, to to break in with and and watch him uh, play limited uh, with my time with the Washington Capitals. He could really fly too. All right, so I, I know you. I know you threw knuckles a few times in the career, uh, Dino. But who, who's the who's the toughest uh, fighter in your time? And we're actually, you know, we we don't see much of it anymore. Uh, but back in, in in the heyday when you were playing, there was a lot of it. Who was the toughest fighter out there? Well, I'll tell you what. There's so many tough guys. I I would probably say Probert was the toughest guy. Um, but everybody knows Dale Hunter come in, and and I think you know this story too. But when in my first year uh, with uh, Hartford, um, I played against the, the Quebec Nordiques and Dale Hunter was playing for the Quebec Nordiques. And we fought three times in one period. Um, <laughs> we, we were in, in, in Quebec 
And so we fought the first time. We went into the penalty box. We came out. Um, our We were checking them. Our coach put us out there. Line chain came out. We're on the faceoff. And he looks at me and he goes, you, we're going to go again. And I was like, I was a young guy. He was like Dale Hunter, who is, you know, 6,000 penalty minutes. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And he's a big dude, too. Like, he's not he's – not, tall but he's thick um mm-hmm. so and then went in the penalty box and fought again and at that time well still today you get fight you, you fight three times you get kicked out of the game um so and then we circle back and we ended up coaching together um so personally um we had fought a couple more times after that through our careers and then but we've since um had beers together and talked about um, what it, what we did and, and those fights and different battles that we had. And both of us said the same thing. We were just trying to stay in the league and compete. No, that's yeah. I, I, I think you had mentioned that one once before and I still, I love hearing that one. I, I can't imagine agreeing to throw knuckles three times with the same person. Well, ever agreeing with someone period, but agreeing to do it three times in a game. So, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure I necessarily agreed the second time. <laughs> the third time I was so sore. I said, yeah, let's get out of here. Like I, uh, I don't want to play this game anymore either. So, but the second time I'm pretty sure I, I wasn't uh, fully willing to do it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, Dino, look, I, I mean, I, I could ask you these questions and do this stuff all day with you, man, but I, I really appreciate you taking your time to jump on here and catch up. Um, I wish you the the best of luck, uh, you know, get that handicap down to plus, uh, you know, and then more than anything, I wish you the best of luck with uh, with the wild um, for long term success, man. I hope we I hope we get hockey back here soon and uh, you guys get in the dance and you guys do some damage, not up until you play my capitals. But, you know, yeah. you guys do some damage, brother. I appreciate it. Well, I, I'd love that uh, to happen. And uh, I know uh, I know you're coaching, uh, you're teaching because you. You taught me a lot as well uh, with my swing, so it's uh, it's been great, and I know you're a wonderful teacher, and this is awesome. I'm glad you're doing this as well. Well, thanks, Dino. Uh, look forward to talking to you soon, buddy. Thanks, Mark. Well, I want to thank my guest, Dean Evison, for joining me. What an awesome conversation and a really unique perspective into the approach and the career of a professional athlete and professional coach. I think there's so much you can take from it if you're a player or a student or a leader in any business world about consistency and approach. And as Dean said, you've got to keep grinding and keep working forward. And eventually, you're going to get to where you want to be and make it to the high level that you want to be at and whatever you're trying to get better at in life. So again, I want to thank Dean Evison for joining me. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And we'll see you on the next Driving Improvement Podcast with Mark Russo. And until then, we'll see you on the lesson team.